The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your lad and your staff. They comfort me. Prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oils. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 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 Well, our thanks to those giggly kids, I know a few of them, uh, for uh, leading us through the Psalm uh, 23 reading today. Uh, today we're going to continue in this journey that we've been on, this invitation of Jesus to recover your life uh, as we walk with him and work with him. And as we do that, we're working our way through the 23rd Psalm. So today, uh, we want to think about this beautiful picture uh, in the 23rd Psalm. It says, you prepare a table before me. Now, what a great picture this is. Do you ever think about a moment when someone prepares a table for you and you don't have to buy the food or cook the food or set the table or clean it up later? That is a great day, isn't it? When someone prepares a table for you. And I wonder, if you think about a moment like that, who would be with you at the table? You think about some friends or loved ones that you would be gathered with around a beautiful table and where would you be? Maybe you would be at someone's house or a favorite restaurant. Think about that for a moment. Who would be at the table with you and where would you be? You know, I think about a few years ago for my birthday, my husband took me out to one of my favorite restaurants. I'd only been there once before and I was so excited. We pulled in the parking lot. It was a surprise and I thought, oh, he hit it out of the park. And then we walked into our table and I noticed that, this is not a table for two. It was a table for 10. And we sat down, and then sure enough, over the next few minutes, some of our very dearest friends came and joined us at the table. And we were there for hours. It was such a great evening. I will remember that forever. There is something about being at a table together with people that we love. So today, we have this beautiful picture as we continue in the 23rd Psalm. We're in verse 5. The whole phrase says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, uh, before we get too far, let me pause for just a moment and make a comment about the imagery in the psalm. Now, as we begin, 
uh, we all know the 23rd Psalm begins, the Lord is my shepherd. And we have this picture of a shepherd. And then as the Psalm goes on, we have more imagery, imagery of a pasture and water and rest and paths and a rod and a staff that a shepherd would use. And now we come uh, to a moment in the psalm where we're talking about a table that's been prepared for us and an overflowing cup. So it causes us to say, now wait just a moment, are we still talking about sheep or has the image changed in the psalm? Uh, And not everyone agrees on uh, how to best interpret that. Um, It's possible that we could think about uh, God preparing a table as a shepherd as if he's Uh, preparing the grazing pasture for the sheep. That's one way to think about it. But there are also many scholars who say this is actually the introduction of another layer, another image in this psalm. That when we look at the 23rd Psalm, we actually get two images there. First, the image of God as our good shepherd, and then the image of God as our good host. It's an interesting way to think about that. And so I'm kind of going with that picture today, this idea that God has prepared a physical table for us as a good host. But more important than the question of imagery uh, really is the question for us today, what assurance should we draw from this part of the psalm? Now, as I've already said, he prepares a table for me. I think that sounds wonderful. I love that picture of comfort. But I'll be honest, the next part it really ruins it for me. In the presence of my enemies? Wait a minute. If God's going to prepare a table for me, I don't want enemies to be at my table. (laughs) That is not who I picture around the table with me. Why can't I have a banquet with my friends? I want to sit down with people who like each other. I don't like the idea of having enemies. Do you? That's not a comfortable picture for us. In fact, just being real here, have any of you ever skipped a social gathering because there are going to be people there that you feel awkward around? I've done it. Yeah. It's not very comfortable to think about sitting around a table with people that you feel awkward with, people that you would call enemies. So what is this business in this psalm of a meal with enemies in the midst of this beautiful psalm that's supposed to be all about God's provision and our comfort, can't we just leave out the enemies altogether? Well, today, as we look at this, I'd like to give you an idea of one way to think about this part of the psalm, and it's this. God's provision when life is not as it should be. God's provision when life is not as it should be. Now, when we study the book of Psalms, all 150 of them, we discover that David, who is the author of the majority of the Psalms, uh, brings up the subject of enemies all the time. That word appears 104 times in the Psalms. It's clearly a topic that's on the forefront for David. Uh, It seems, and, and you know, when we look at his life story, that seems logical to us. David was a person who had a lot of enemies. Uh, That would begin uh, when we first meet David when he's a shepherd. And as a shepherd, he would know what predators and enemies of the flock would be like. And then as David, uh, as, as a young man, was anointed to be the next king over Israel, 
at that point, Saul, the current king, took issue with that, tried to kill him. In fact, David spent many years of his life running and hiding in the wilderness because people were tracking him and literally trying to take his life. Then later in his life, when he became king, he knew his share of battles and war. David knew about enemies. So no wonders he talked about that a lot. Now, I think it's a relevant topic for us, too. While our enemies are not usually those who would come after us with physical weapons uh, to threaten our lives, in other ways, we've learned what it is to make enemies with others. In fact, I think we live in a world and a culture that conditions us to think about others as enemies, to think about those that we disagree with as our enemy. Our world might, might tell us, you're either with me or you're against me. Or if you think or feel differently than I do, then it is an affront to my existence. That's tough. And if that's true, then enemies are people who vote differently than you. You ever heard that message? Or anyone who has a different opinion about the pandemic. Or those who feel differently about the use of the phrase, black lives matter. Or anyone who disagrees with you on any topic that you feel differently about. Or if we want to get really personal, Enemies are those who cheer for the wrong Michigan football team. I know. I'm, I'm messing right there. I know. I know. Maybe it was a rough day yesterday. I know. I know. But, you know, we draw those lines in the sand, right? Oh, do you like Coke or Pepsi to drink? In the Halloween Bowl, which one is the best candy, right? <laughs> we can think about some of those lighthearted ways that, you know, we draw those lines in the sand. But you know, the truth is, there are so many places in our world today, especially as we find ourselves 48 hours before the day that we will have a presidential election, that, that we know that this idea of being enemies against each other, that is right at the forefront in our world today. And my friends, I believe that our Lord is grieved as he sees the ways that we are divided in ways that we treat one another as enemies. Now, I know as Jesus followers, I know we're working on this. I see you. I see the ways that you're working to generously love one another and be salt and light. And I'm cheering you on. And we got to keep doing that because the days are hard. And our world is eager to divide us and make us into enemies of one another. So, who in the world wants to sit at the table with their enemies? What in the world is this picture for us today? You know, a, a word that comes to mind for me when I think about this is tension. The tension between the way that I wish things were and the way that things actually are. That's the tension of this picture, of, of a table that's prepared but in the presence of enemies. But that means that, that when we say that aloud, we're acknowledging that there's brokenness and, and disorder in the world. And that's part of what it means to be human, that, that things are a mess, that relationships are a mess. And there are forces in the world at odds with one another. 
And while I don't like the idea of a meal with enemies lurking nearby, the truth is it can be a pretty good picture for us of the kind of tension that we live through in the world. So interestingly enough, this picture in the Psalms provides this this great uh, tension for us. It's the generous provision of God in the midst of a world that is not as it should be. And that's the tension where God shows up, where he draws near, where he moves towards us. And in that tension, God provides a meal. You know, one of the sacred privileges of being a pastor is walking with people in the midst of some of life's most difficult moments. And there have been many times when I've sat in the living room with a family as they're grieving deeply after the loss of a loved one, overcome by emotion as the enemy of death feels like it has won. And do you know what happens time and time again in a moment like that? We're sitting around the living room, and then the doorbell rings. And there standing on the porch is somebody with a casserole (laughs) or a plate of sandwiches or cookies or, or whatever it is. There they are with their arms outstretched with love on a plate right there. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of a moment like that or on the giving end. Or both. That kind of movement or that kind of moment really stirs me deeply when I think about that. Because the truth is, even in horrible grief, everybody's got to eat. And I know usually the last thing in the world that we want to do when life is not as it should be, when it is so deeply disrupted, the last thing that we want to do is eat. But in moments like that, it's so often a friend who comes and puts an arm around a shoulder and just whispers, when's the last time you ate? You know, I I made you a plate. Just try and take a few bites. (laughs) It it brings tears to my eyes as I think about those moments that I've witnessed, as I've witnessed people loving one another in those really, really tough moments in life. And I wonder if that perhaps right there is the very best picture for us of God's love for us, that that's exactly what he does. That when life is not as it should be, when enemies lurk, he is the God who prepares a meal for us and provides and reassures us and urges us to just take a bite. I wonder, where is the tension in your life these days? Is there an area in your world where where things just don't seem right? Maybe you feel like there are some enemies lurking. Perhaps you've been hurt by others who disagree with you. Or maybe you're frustrated by the decisions of others that are deeply impacting you. Maybe you find yourself anxious as we look ahead to this election and trying to figure out what the outcome is going to be and how it's going to impact our nation. Maybe you're navigating grief and it feels like those deep dark clouds are closing in or maybe the enemy for you is exhaustion or loneliness fear frustration see i know we all have something big going on 
We all have things in our world that are just not right. And I wonder, my friends, what would happen if today we would pause for a moment and experience the provision of God in that very space in our lives, right in the middle of that tension that Jesus invites us to dinner. So if we accept this invitation of Jesus, I wonder, what do we do with this tension? What do we do about our enemies? Well, I'd encourage you, trust the tension to him. You know, when we read the Psalms and we see all these places where David talks about enemies, he has a lot to say. He often cries out for justice. He asks for God to intervene, and sometimes in very pointed terms. One of those places is Psalm 58. If you've ever read this psalm, whew, there is some strong language about enemies here. Uh, let me just read a couple of verses, beginning at verse 6. Listen to this. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Lord, tear out the fangs of those lions. Let them vanish like waters that flow away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows fall short. Okay, here we go. May they be like a slug that melts away as it moves along. Rawr! You know, you just got to add a little growl in there. There we go. What do we do with a scripture like that? Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> what do we do with a scripture like this? You know, I so appreciate that there are moments just like that in the Psalms. So many moments where, where the raw emotion comes through. David is clearly disturbed. Can you relate? Have you ever been there? Do you know what it is to be consumed with anger, to want vengeance? I'm so grateful for Walter Brueggemann, who's taught me so much about the Psalms as I've read and listened to him. And, and he talks about this particular um, uh, psalm, and, and he talks about what we do with our desire for vengeance, what we do when we think about enemies that we have. And he says, you know, we really have three options. The first option is to act it out. Not a good option, <laughs> but it is an option. Or second, we can deny it. You ever tried to do that? Deny the, the anger or uh, the, that fierce, those fierce feelings that you have? You ever just tried to stuff those down and ignore them? It doesn't work very well, does it? It usually comes out later sideways in a weird way, right? It just doesn't work if we just try and stuff that down. So he says, instead, this psalm is an invitation for us to give it over to God. What would happen if we read Psalm 58 as a prayer that sounds like this? God, I'm being eaten alive by my anger, and I'm handing it off to you. I'm being eaten alive by my anger, and I'm handing it off to you. That is the best thing that we can do, to ask God to carry it, to trust him with that which matters so deeply to us, to declare in the presence of God things that are not right, as we declare in the presence of God, the God who is holy and the God who is just, that things are not right in this broken world. 
and trust him to carry that because that load is too heavy for us. I think that's why Jesus himself directly addresses how we think about enemies. For all of us, for all kinds of reasons, there are enemies in our lives. And and so we have to figure out what we will do with that as Jesus followers. Jesus addressed that in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You see, when we come before God, we are so often concerned with the circumstances. And we're asking God to set things right and to do something about what's unfolding. But do you know, Jesus has a different starting place. And Jesus begins by asking us to look at our hearts. Because when things are not as they should be, when there are enemies present, that is fertile soil in our lives for bitterness. So Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that can only happen by the power of God who is present with us. As William Barclay says, it is only when Christ lives in our hearts that bitterness will die and love will spring to life. So Jesus invites us to get unstuck, to rid our hearts of bitterness. And how do we do that? We pray for our enemies. And when we do that, what happens is that hate gets uprooted and bitterness gets evicted in our hearts. And it is hard work. Have you ever prayed for your enemy? Have you prayed for those who hurt you? Have you prayed for those with whom you disagree? Have you prayed for those whose names you will not be checking on the ballot? It is hard work. And we don't do it on our own strength. We do it through the power of God working within us. And it is an essential work in our lives and in our hearts. It is for our good that Jesus asks us to do that. So, friends, here we are at the table that God has prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. And what do we do? First, we remember that that God nourishes us when life is not as it should be. And second, we take our anger and our frustration and we trust it to God. And then we pray for our enemies. And finally, We turn our focus away from our enemies and towards the one who prepares the table. You know, in traditional Middle Eastern culture, an abundant table is the sign of extravagant wealth. Now, that's different than the culture that we have here uh, in, in the United States of America. You know, here where we live, if someone has great wealth, they might buy a big house and I have some good property around it and put an expensive car in the driveway. That way, when people drive by, they can admire the great wealth of the person who lives there. 
But it's so different. In traditional Middle Eastern culture, a sign of acquiring great wealth is for someone to host a great meal, a great meal that would have three times as much food on the table as the numerous guests can eat. That's the sign of great wealth. You see, the provision of the table points to the abundance and the generosity, not of the guest, but of the host. And so to prepare a table where the cup is overflowing, that tells us about the host, not the guest. It's the host who has unlimited resources and who chooses extravagant generosity. And my friends, this is our God who prepares a table for us. You know, it was long after David would pen those words of the 23rd Psalm that there would come another, one who would be called the son of David, who would prepare another table for us. And at this table, Jesus, the son of God, gathered with a group of disciples, and and he gathered at that table in the tension, the tension of a world that, that was broken by sin, a place where things were not as they should be, a world that needed hope. And Jesus set the table in that tension, and he said, this is not just my provision for you, it's my provision, but it's also my covenant with you. It's my promise to you that my provision will never run out, that I am committed to you so that whenever we partake of the table, we will be reminded of the gift of salvation, that this is our God who redeems and restores and sets things right. This is our God who nourishes us when life is not as it should be. My friend, today the Lord invites you to his table. The scripture tells us that Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this whenever you eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I want to invite you um, to take the elements in your hand. I hope that you picked some up as you came in. If you didn't, uh, please feel free to stand up and walk over. There's a table over this way. There's a, a table there in the back. Or if you're watching Online, we welcome you to join us and head to your kitchen if you haven't already to grab some simple elements. And I want to invite you to prepare the elements. It'll be a little noisy. There's two layers here. So you peel off this this first layer, and that will uh, lift up the the bread. And then uh, you'll pull this second layer back, and that will give you the cup. So go ahead and do that. Prepare those elements, and we'll get ready to partake together in just a moment. And as we prepare these elements and as we hold them in our hands, friends, I want to invite you today to to just take a few moments unhurried 
to hold these elements and to sit in the tension and to think about those places in your life and and in our world where things are not as they should be. And think about our God who prepares a table before us in the presence of enemies when, when life is not as it should be. And today as you hold these elements, my prayer is that you'll be comforted by the presence of God who moves towards you in those very spaces. So let's pause and let's take just a few moments. I invite you to pause and reflect and and pray. And then in just a couple of moments, I'll lead us to partake together. Jesus said, this is my body for you. Take and eat. And this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. Will you pray with me? Oh, our gracious God, we're so grateful for the way that you see us and know us. And so as we come before you today, as we have these, uh, the taste of these elements that are that's still on our tongues, God, we just thank you for your provision. We thank you that you are the God who sees us and knows us and moves towards us, that you are the God who redeems and restores and and sets broken things right. Lord, the truth is there are many things on our minds and on our hearts today. Lord, you know the things, the tension that we have in our own lives, the things in our world that are not right these days. God, you know the way that we're burdened for our world, the the way that we're praying for our world. We're praying for our nation as we get ready for an election. God, have mercy. God, we pray for peace. God, we pray today for the persecuted church. God, we pray for those whose lives are threatened because they follow you. God, we pray for your protection, and we pray that your name would continue to spread and that many would come to know you. God, we pray for this pandemic in our own community, in our country, and around the world. God, we ask for your healing and for your protection. We pray for all of those who have been impacted. And God, we pray for your peace. God, have mercy on us as we find our way through. Oh God, you know these things on our hearts today. You know these places where we are longing for you to intervene and set things right And God, we ask today that you would begin with us, 
that in our hearts and souls, that we would be set right with you, that we would trust you, that we would experience your presence and your provision today. God, we know we can't do this on our own. So we look to you. And God, I pray for each person listening today, each person in this room and and each person joining us online, God, would you nourish their souls. God, may they experience your presence that in the center of their being, that they would know that you are with them. Thank you, God, for the way that you prepare a table for us. You are so good. We love you, Lord. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.